Hello everyone and welcome to The Aura. In case you aren't familiar with Aura, it is a platform designed to help and connect siblings touched by special needs. We have had some great guests so far, however I noticed that there was a growing need for siblings who are a slightly younger age, which led me to create Smaller Aura. This is the first episode of Smaller Aura and it is targeted to siblings who are younger than 18 years old to connect and share their story. Our first guest is 14-year-old Sienna, a dancer, student and author from London. With full consent of our lovely mother Joanne, Sienna is going to be talking about growing up and her wonderful brother Cruzy. So let's welcome Sienna to the Smaller Aura. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Thank you so much for joining the podcast. This is actually the first episode of something called Smaller Aura, which I have recently come up with because a lot of other actually 14 year olds were getting in contact and asking if there were other people around of their age who were sharing their story, which is why I've got you here today, which is amazing. How are you doing? How's lockdown and everything? Oh, it's very, very stressful, obviously, for everyone. It's different, but mm. I've just been doing schoolwork. You're like, I can describe it, schoolwork. <laughs> Good on you. I mean, it's, it's harder to stay motivated, isn't it, when you're at home? I've been furloughed, so I've had a lot of free time, which is obviously why I've come up with Aura. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we just got to start with an introduction of yourself, about your family, about your brother and how old he is. Uh, so my brother, Cruzy, is... 11 now. I love the name Cruzy, by the way. <laughs> well, his, like, his initial, like, when he was born, his name was Jaden Cruz. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how everyone has, like, a little baby name for their children. I love that. He sounds yeah. like a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he was diagnosed with autism when he was four years old. Mm-hmm. And we were actually living in Australia at the time. So we actually had no like immediate family there. So it was quite a hard time, as you can imagine, to like try and like work out what's like going on with like no like actual family support there with you, if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. So obviously my parents, they were very like, like they were really eager to find out what's going on, what's happening. And I was kind of always just like there, if you get what I mean. At the time. I was seven right seven and six so I was just there Mm. I guess and I was I guess obviously as I grew up I was more you know now I'm more aware of stuff and but when I was younger especially because he was diagnosed before but at two he was that's when he was showing like some of the basically when he stopped talking Mm -hmm. so but he stopped talking yeah he just stopped talking and stuff that's what happened to Josh. Josh, he he was saying a few words and then he just kind of lost his speech and then he didn't actually speak until he was eight. Mm, yeah. Is that the kind of the same with you? Yeah, and obviously I was five then when he when he actually stopped talking. I was, because I was also still young, I was really confused because it's like your sibling they play with every day and mm-hmm. who interacts with you suddenly stops talking, you... Starts to feel like, oh, have I done something wrong? You're talking, you're like, and then the parents are like, oh, he's just probably hungry, he doesn't talk to you. Obviously, they knew then mm. he was going through a phase. But I was just a bit confused. I was like, oh, I hope he's okay. And so obviously, I didn't know. Um, 
but obviously as he's grown up now he can talk thank goodness <laughs> for that but um yeah he we I did find like I at first I think I was just confused mm-hmm. like every sibling would be I guess because it's kind of a shock to the system because you know your brother is you still or your sibling sorry still obviously going to be there your, your sibling but mm-hmm. they're going to be you have to now live your life a new way to be able to like live with that and I at first I didn't really like understand what that meant mm. like I didn't know whether it meant that I had to do different things with I had to go to another school mm. obviously the first stage was moving back to England <laughs> so did you move back straight away <laughs> yeah so mm. after I don't know when exactly but pretty close to my parents just like we need to we need to go home so we went home and that plane ride home was the, it was literally what I just remember because I was just sitting there like on the plane I remember you know like you have those aisles in the middle yeah. the, and I was just sitting there and then I can just hear I just hear my brother screaming oh there's that there's obviously the general public most of them some of them don't understand and I just remember people yelling I'm like I just want to enjoy this plane journey exactly what I had when Josh would scream that is all I remember growing up because I was he was four kind of similar to Cruzy I was seven or eight we've got four years difference yeah I was eight Mm -hmm. and I just remember because when they scream and obviously you're really young you're like oh my goodness what's going on and you feel stressed out and you don't quite understand, do you? No. Well, that protective element hasn't kicked in quite yet because you're younger. You're more mm-hmm. just a bit like, confused as to what's going on. <laughs> and I find that you do, it, you remember that more than other memories, don't you? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, and so you came back on the plane and then what happened after that? So we moved, uh, we came back obviously, and obviously we needed to find a house and stuff. And after a few years, you we were all settled um and by then I was going to a new school and I actually went to a new school with my brother it was like so because obviously we're we're three years different so he started in reception I think I started in year three Mm. and I think from this from the first school day from then onwards until I obviously left go to secondary school now it was just the time where I got to watch him constantly at school, just always yeah. keeping up. I think that's when the protective stage kicked oh in. Goodness, because you obviously were with him constantly. So you, anything that anyone would do towards him, you would know, right? That must have been really stressful. Obviously, he had therapists with him all the time at school, like his own, just help him because he was obviously a bit slower at stuff. Yeah. But I was always just watching him on the playground like he would be yeah. um <laughs> sure he's okay yeah um yeah there was I can't really now remember anything at school that went wrong but once this is this is obviously a long time ago mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a aggressive girl now but <laughs> when I went to my I think it was one of my friends' house a long time ago. I think I was in year five, so I like I was probably like ten or eleven. And I obviously when Cruzy he doesn't understand much stuff, so he makes his own noises and stuff when he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like he's in his own little movie and stuff. But Josh is like that too. Yeah. So when I had some friends over, she had to have her little sister, whatever, 
and they were laughing at him because they were like really like I guess they were confused They're like well what is he saying I didn't understand it obviously because Cruzy was like doing it he was just laughing as well because he didn't know what they were laughing at so he was laughing as well so I, and then I felt really emotional and then I was like you know what this is not funny and literally I don't know what brought on me because I would never do anything like this now but I literally just slapped her in the face and I, <laughs> hilarious that is so funny it was literally I just did it and I was just there looking at her like oh my god how old were you at the time I think I was 10 oh my goodness I was like and now looking back at it I was like okay she was just laughing at him it's not like she said anything rude but that was like straight protective instinct isn't it kicking in I mean it's something obviously that's not something you would recommend to do strategy but at the time you know you couldn't help it and you know it is what it is I think it's the protective sister element and I find it quite funny (laughs) you didn't hurt her though did you (laughs) no I think it was just a shock to her because I was just sitting there on the bed and I was just watching and I was like yeah also especially as well as you're going to the same school as him you you want to make sure he's okay and you you, you're his older sister you know you're protecting him and Mm -hmm. so was he at school with you the whole time yeah, so obviously freezing, but so when he was in, when you went into year four, I then went into year seven in secondary school. Right. And ever since then, so I'm in year nine, going into year 10 now, so right. it's been three, I think a good three years where I haven't actually been at school with him. And next year, he's going to be coming to school with me. Oh, I know, it's actually such, it's actually coincidence, because I'm talking about this with you, it's actually next year now, it's going to happen all over again. But do you know what, you're older now, and I think also as children get older, they're more accepting and they are more understanding of, you know, autism. So I think you, I think with really small kids, they don't even know what they're doing. Like, if they're just laughing, they're probably just, anything different to a young kid mm. they find funny basically yeah. so I think as you hit secondary school I think it will be a lot better does he struggle at school or well at first he had a bit of trouble you know communicating making friends and obviously mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing about secondary school now because it's so much bigger mm. but he does have a few friends um that are coming with him because when I came when I came into the secondary school I had mm. literally I was the only one from my whole school that came into the secondary school so mm. I struggled a lot making friends mm-hmm. it, even though it's quite easy to make friends it's just about making the right friends yeah of course and, yeah so I but I now I have I'm not saying I'm not boasting but I have quite <laughs> a lot of friends now so it's quite easy now to just make friends especially at the beginning of the year but I feel like it's kind of good for him because he likes to have like, you know, structured routines and stuff. So he'll be with his friends that he came with. But I feel like because I'm older now, I don't really, I feel like it's opposite to then, to when I used to be with him. I want to kind of just leave him alone mm. in the nicest way possible. I don't really care what he does. Yeah. <laughs> and also he's, he's older now, isn't he? So he doesn't need protecting, I guess, as much. Did you find it difficult when you were at school having friends around? I definitely did. I mean, because I think Josh, my brother, I think Josh is a bit more severe on the spectrum by the sounds of it. Um, And he was just, I just couldn't have friends around for 
a long time. Like he was quite, he was quite angry because um, he has oral dyspraxia, so he couldn't articulate himself. He couldn't really speak, um, which must have been really frustrating, which I completely understand. But so me growing up from the age of maybe nine to fourteen, I couldn't really have a normal school life in the sense of having friends round. Um, mm-hmm. Because I remember once I used to play the saxophone and I remember I had a friend around and he, he was having a tantrum and he just threw the saxophone and it ended up hitting my friend who had come round. Oh my God. So embarrassed. And obviously the friend was okay. Like she wasn't hurt really, but you know, you just don't really expect to get a saxophone free. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely found that difficult growing up. Um, so it, it sounds like you don't really have that problem, which is great. Um, that's one less thing. Yeah, I guess when obviously it's I it can't could compare to how you were, but when I guess the only little things was I I rarely ever really had friends around anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't even have many friends to invite, but neither did I. When I when I did, um, he would just always come in the room and just look around and stare. Sometimes he just come oh. in. Just one day, was like. What's going on? And then he, but then now nowadays he just comes in, looks at the, he runs away. Like he wants, like I guess he kind of seeks for like I don't know, just a bit mysterious when friends come round. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and also that you don't want to be rude either. You know, you don't want to be like leave my room. <laughs> then yeah, just be like oh. Um, I think mum's calling you. Yeah, I always do that. Josh does that even now because if ever my boyfriend comes around and we're just like watching something, he'd come in and he'd start just like, just sitting on the end of the bed or just like pretending to do something. And you're like, <laughs> I think mum wants you downstairs. But then you don't want to be rude, do you? But, um, oh, that's so sweet. And so funny stories. Do you have any kind of moments where you remember that just make you really happy or any oh. funny stories? There are so many, but I think some of the few that stood out was, oh my goodness, so we, obviously teaching Cruzy about stranger danger was really important. <laughs> That's very important. Very important. And it took, it's very hard. I see, I think he's still learning now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's not that easy to learn when you're like he is, but it, this time we always tell him okay like it's like practices he stays with me and parents go to another shop they're like um don't talk to any strangers mm-hmm. and okay so they go to another shop and i'm just sitting there with cruzy thinking he's going to be fine calm because it's not really a hard thing to do to just sit and not talk to anyone mm-hmm. and all the time i look at him there'll someone will walk past or someone will just stand there by the bench back face or something like this <laughs> He'll try and he'll pretend to he's like he's uh, pretend like he's gonna go touch them and we're like don't don't touch don't touch it like almost antagonizing me because yeah. then I'm like Chris you don't do that but he's like I'm not gonna do it that's like, hilarious I know it's just oh my goodness I and even, also because people as well they would be a bit confused as to why someone's pointing at them and you don't know how people are gonna react as well they could be a really grumpy person and you you have to then explain. Oh, he sounds so lovely. Yeah. Oh, and another one. Oh, this one. All, all through my life, he's had this. He's, mm. Anything he do, does anyway, his facial expression's always like the, 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 like, I don't know, the out of this world, his facial expressions. But 
when he eats food that he doesn't like or it's new or anything I remember the first time he tried broccoli or something he was eating it and he just he had this face that you just know like I don't like it but I don't want to tell mum because she's just <laughs> It just makes it, it's like, it's like some, I don't know how to explain it. It's so funny though to look back because he still does it now. But so you can just, tell straight away if he doesn't like something, he just, his facial expression. <laughs> that is brilliant. Does he, is he a picky eater or is he, is he fine with food? Um, I would say he's quite, compared to me, he's quite picky because mm. he will, if mum says I'm making this, he's obviously got a lot better now, mm. but he still does have his like, what do you want, salad or burger? Obviously he'd say burger, but. Mm, back Josh then that's with burgers as well as yeah <laughs> um, Loves them. yeah he would be very like I don't know like you know you know people need some people need structures mm-hmm. so like, have to have the same mm. thing he'd always like the sweet stuff before the like the dessert before things so parents had to like almost do it like it was like stepping blocks so they would have yeah. his plate in front of him with the dinner and then the like I guess the stuff you have after dinner, mm. like ice cream or something, on the plate behind it. So oh, you just wow. eat it. So he has to like, then he has to move the plate after he's finished eating the dinner, and then he can have the other plate. That's and so funny. Do you know what? Josh is a bit like that. He only eats in food groups, so he would have to just, mm. you know, eat the broccoli first, and then have the bun, then the burger, then the tomato. That like he can't yeah. mix anything together. And when he was younger, he would only eat his dinner if there was two wood pigeons on the like shed in the garden oh. and they, you can imagine they probably weren't there most of the time oh, and there was honestly weeks where he just wouldn't eat and we'd have to just pray that these wood pigeons were on the shed <laughs> so I mean yeah it was it was interesting growing up with oh. food um but yeah I mean you seem so mature for your age I mean you've already been through so much and you've got I mean you're as mature as me um oh. And you've, you've done some amazing things. So, I mean, tell me about the Susie bookstores. When did that start? That's incredible. Goodness. So I started it. Oh, my goodness. I was 12. So that was, I think I was two years ago. Wow, yeah. 12. That's so impressive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Back then as well, I think I, I wasn't even a teenager yet. So I was just mm. like, um, you know, just trying to figure out what I was doing. But mm. I just, I think I... kind of I just fell into it because I've out of all subjects it might sound weird I love English so Mm -hmm. I've always to write obviously the book isn't like a whole novel or anything Mm. but um this lady she does she writes all the Susie books Mm -hmm. she writes a whole collection like Susie's first time on a plane Susie's Mm -hmm. and coincidentally my brother's name is Cruzy so Mm -hmm. oh Susie and Cruzy And obviously then, I was 12, so I I don't know what year I was in, but I was, I've was i always been thinking about when he joined school again with me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so let's do something where it was like first day at school. Mm-hmm. You know, or just showing people. And then I thought, well, why don't we just show people around school? So long story short, the book is about, it's, most of the book is in rhyming couplets, just, you know, make it fun and stuff. Mm, really cool. It's about, thank you, it's about, like, a boy called Susie and Cruzy who go around their school, like, it's like showing the readers, people, children with autism, but not saying the A word. Mm-hmm. Like saying, um... That's very important, I think. 
a lot of people don't really like saying it because I think also they've just said it so much. It's one of the first things my mum actually said because when I came up with Aura, the original name was Autism Aura. And she was like, I I just don't think you should put that word in. I think it should be more light, you know? Yeah, it's like labelling almost. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting that you kind of had the same. Yeah, so I was kind of like, okay. Obviously, this is really, it's, it's all saying that, but the actual front of the book says learning about children with autism. But mm. regardless of that, like... Yeah, but it's smaller. It's it's, it's a kind yeah. of synopsis of, of the book as yeah. opposed to actually labelling it, you know. Yeah, like capital letters, of mm. course, everywhere. But it's like, so this boy, he likes to... For example, he likes to line red cars up in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the book is just like embracing the fact like, oh, wow, look how cool that is. Like basically just showing that it's diff- it might be different from what you do, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter that it's different because he enjoys doing it. Um, and yeah, it's just about that. And obviously there's the visual stuff. There's a little girl of ear defenders. Like, you know how there's some children have sensory stuff so it's like go yeah. in a sand pit and just about you know in kind of embracing difference but for like mainstream children in secondary schools mm-hmm. it's an amazing so, idea because also children at that age it, it really helps them to visualize that differences are okay mm, yeah. uh, and that would also stop with what you were mentioning earlier about how people were laughing when you were younger you know if they had a book like that to read from a young age they would automatically be more kind of used to different yeah 100% because obviously I feel like now back then when my brother got it obviously you and your brother are older than me so it would be uh different but my parents noticed that it wasn't much of a common thing back then um now it's come more and more common and I think that I think that's why it was quite a good coincidental time because suddenly all people were like oh my someone in my class has it Someone, and it was just like, oh, I didn't know like so many children like yeah. had it, even adults as well. Because I feel like in schools they always teach children about, oh, it doesn't matter if she has blonde mm-hmm. hair or different colour skin or freckles, mm-hmm. and then that's supposed to be the difference in people. Whereas people have disabilities, so that's yeah. also a difference as well. Never spoken about really in school. It's actually such a valid point. It's it's not even their fault, but it's just not really it just is never really spoken about, is it? And I think also then growing up, it's amazing you at your age, I mean, probably since you were, what, 10, 11, have spoken about it quite freely. I mean, I, I didn't. Um, and I think it's really good from such a young age to be so aware of it and also be helping in such an amazing way. I think yeah. it's so impressive. And you've been doing cycles as well, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, as one of our daily exercises, I think the 26K bike ride to help children with autism raise money for them because at this time everyone's obviously obviously the NHS need all the help they can get but there's also a lot of parents who with children with disabilities or autism that have um that need help as well because um so my mum's boss has this thing and he does a charity helping people then he helps raise money for them but mm-hmm. obviously it's shut down now charities aren't like going so we thought we'd just contribute a little and we think we made just a little bit over three thousand it was two thousand and then all of a sudden we were like three thousand which is incredible 
Yeah, it was really good as well because I really felt that it actually, like, even if it was £200 or less, it still does something for... Of course it does. It's incredible. And Cruzy did it as well, didn't he? Yeah, he loves cycling so much. When you did, honestly, the first time when he learned to ride a bike without stabilisers, he just stopped. Because obviously when you when he got diagnosed there were so many questions like will he ever be able to do this that mm-hmm. this and he just doesn't stop cycling now he just wants to go on a bike ride oh so do you go on bike rides with him oh yeah he loves it I sometimes do like to just sit at home and just you know Chill. watch flicks and he like oh can we go on a bike ride please so cruise oh, it's raining outside bless him yeah I've started going on runs with Josh I think it really helps him mentally as well once he's done some exercise he's a lot calmer um you love stuff. Yeah. Huh? what do you say like it's like when you love like running and cycling it's like you it's almost like all your energy is letting it out at all yeah. at once and especially during lockdown i mean it's really important to do that for sure I need it sometimes. oh my goodness me too me too and i mean you you've got such a wonderful family i spoke to your mum i think it was about two weeks ago on an instagram live when i met you um, have such a wonderful support network. Who do you find you speak to the most about Cruzy or just whenever you're feeling like you need to talk? Yeah, so I'm going to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I know, obviously, everyone's like thing would be talk to, with everything, talk to your parents, mm-hmm. adult, you know, mm-hmm. that stuff. I never t- really spoke to anyone about mm-hmm. it because I guess... I did write a few stuff in diaries, obviously, mm. uh, but obviously everyone's different. But I guess I kept most of it in within me. I guess, I um, yeah. So I didn't. I I'd, I would say family because I felt like at the time that everyone was obviously like, you know, focused on Cruzy. Like he, everyone was like praying for him, making sure that he, you know, was. So I felt very like. Obviously, I would hate to be in the position that he was in, so I'm not going to say that I wish that, you know, anything like that. But I just felt like it didn't really matter about me at the time because everyone else was just so focused on what he was doing. So I thought, well, it doesn't really matter. People always, of course, ask me, how how are you? And I'd be like, I'm fine. It's easy to say that you're fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say that I got into that whole, like, depressed stage where I was really... Obviously, some people do get that, and that's very... Mm-hmm. Sorry for everyone who is like that, but I just, I guess as I've got older, I've learned to deal with it. Obviously, as I've started to, you know, grow in my vocabulary, I've been able to talk to my parents now and again. But I don't know. I actually, I, I literally don't remember talking to anyone about it. I don't really know why. Even now, if I think stuff, I always think to myself. I'm actually probably not very healthy, but well, it's not like really I literally did not speak about it at all when I was your age I literally blocked it out I I would just I would don't I don't remember ever speaking to my parents about it or any of my friends um Mm. and I think that is what is difficult growing up is you also don't it doesn't really affect you in a way because you kind of as you say you don't talk about it and then when you get older then you start to talk about it more but I think the relationship you have at the moment it's so healthy because you're already speaking about it that like you're doing this with me for example mm-hmm. I didn't do that you know I think it's wonderful um I wish me at my age were more like you look more aware <laughs> and doing these amazing things for charity I think it's great. Oh, nice. 
what are you going to be like when you're my age? You're going to put me to shame. You're 10 years younger than me, aren't you? Yeah. So when I'm 34, you're going to be putting me to shame. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's the thing. Everyone says to me, you're such, you're so, so, you know, I don't know what the words they use. Very mature for your age. You're a very special person from what I can tell. Um, <laughs> and I think, like I said, mentioned at the beginning, the smaller aura, I'm working out a, a way of how to connect everyone somehow online, basically. But since Aura was launched, so many 14-year-olds and 11-year-olds reached out and they were like, oh, there are other kids who, who would like to talk or, you know, just to connect with on Instagram. And so loads of people have, which is great. So, I mean, I'm just going to work out how to kind of connect you all together. But, I mean, what advice would you give to other 14-year-olds or any other kids of that age who are listening and who are maybe struggling more so than you with lockdown or anything like that so I know because I it's very stressful when you're even when you're with a sibling oh yeah to, to be with them yeah. for a long time like this because we my family actually we started lockdown before lockdown actually started so did so. we we were really scared so we started like two weeks before <laughs> yeah that's so um and even after that two weeks I was like oh my goodness schools haven't closed yet it's going to take a long time and I was getting a bit fed up then as well but Mm. I guess um in general well I mean in lockdown I'll say in lockdown the most in general in lockdown just if you like need space like I need space quiet up time I really like just having my own room Mm. and space wherever it is even if it's in your garden or in your room or if you share a room I don't know even in the bathroom it doesn't really matter where you are just you know just having some me time I guess it's quite nice sometimes um my parents always like checking on me to see what I'm doing not because they don't trust me but they just want to see what's going on so I'm just like I have to put on a letter on my door please can you leave me alone for 10 no minutes? way <laughs> I love that that's I need to do that that's uh, a good really idea I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. They do still come in and just check that I haven't like escaped through the window to go somewhere. But it's just need like some new time. But um, I guess once I've actually thought this, it's really bad to think stuff like this. It's just like oh, this is when I've been really angry. Not now, but you know then, like oh, I wish that my life wasn't like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a really bad thing to say now. But obviously everyone will think of it sometimes because people go through hard stuff life all the time so it's really easy to say oh, I just wish my life was like this but you have to make the most with your sibling because they're the ones who will make you the person you are because like mm-hmm. me and you we we like we you especially what you're doing is so good because you want to help other people and that's come through what your experience with your brother because you're yes. like I want to help people. that is very true that is very it makes you, yeah it makes you like more aware yourself I guess the more time you spend with them because it's like when someone dies for example you or you retrack all the things that you've done with them and if you're just sitting there angry at your sibling who you know is just doesn't know what they're doing you have to spend the most time with them that you can make it memorable because you know one day you might regret it because you know, you could be living your own life and your siblings just struggling all the time. You want to help them. That's why I always think about, I just think about, I wouldn't like to be in his position. Even though he doesn't know, I have to make the most of what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Because it might also help him as well. 
That's a really important thing to say because also you just spending more time with him, one, you enjoy it, but two, it actually helps him develop more as Mm -hmm. well and and creates amazing memories. Just you going on a lovely cycle with him, how great you've done that for the day and you've just spent some great quality time with him. And Mm -hmm. I think that would really help people listening to what what you've just said. I think that's really good. Um, You're just such a special, special girl and you're so mature and it's honestly so impressive all the stuff you've done. Um, <laughs> you're an amazing first guest of Smaller Aura. That's the name. Yeah, thank you um, for having me. Oh my God, pleasure. And I just will stay in touch for sure on your lovely mum and family. Yeah. Um, send my love. And apart from that, I think that's it. But thank you so much. And I hope this has helped you in some way as well, just to talk about it. Yeah. It's even helped me. I mean, we have similarities, you know, like it's quite Really hard. It's actually when I, that's why I think what you're doing is so good because you always think that you're alone mm-hmm. and you're actually not. Yeah, even when I met you, I was like, we just have this conversation now. I'm like, she just relates to me so much. It's right. so, it's so like, it's We've actually spoken short. for 40 minutes. It's insane. And we haven't met. We have 10 years age difference. <laughs> we have so much in common. And I think that's just what's so important. And hopefully, people listening will feel the same. Um, but I mean, we'll definitely stay in contact for sure and send my love to your family and yes. hope you have a lovely rest of your evening. And just thank you so much for doing this with me and just say bye to everyone. Bye everybody. What an inspirational young lady. If you would like to join the Aura or have any questions regarding this podcast, please get in touch at www.jointheaura.com or follow us across all socials at Join the Aura. See you next week as we interview Bianca Tavella, founder of Fair Shot Cafe, a social enterprise cafe offering training and employment for adults with learning difficulties. See you next week. You know.